Hey, good to see you this uh, weekend. Glad you're joining us online. If I've never met you, I'm Dan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am thrilled that you're joining us. Uh, for many of you, this is the way we've been talking to you for several months now, and so love hearing from some of you. Some of you have been emailing us, letting us know how you're doing. Uh, there's a lot of things going on here, and I just like to keep you up to date on them. Uh, before we jump into our conversation today, Power Kids is up and running on our campus, and so uh, some of you have been wondering when that's going to happen, so we're doing that by RSVP, but Miss Sherry's done a great job of getting everything organized so that we can have social distancing, and yet our program is up and running. So if you're interested and have kiddos and want to come back, uh, we'd love to see you. Uh, also, uh, we are telling people, those who are interested in being baptized, let us know that. Uh, we'd love to baptize you. I think we have one this weekend that's going to happen in one of our services, so we're so excited about that. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. We want to say this every week for your generosity. Many of you, through trunk food and giving and the Big Picture Project Extension, thank you for your generosity. I personally want to say this to many of you. Thank you for your expressions of love, uh, your cards, and your prayers. Last time I talked to you online, uh, it was before my mother passed away. Uh, and so this is my first time talking to you online since she's been gone. And many of you have sent cards. And I just want to say thank you very much. Uh, we feel loved. Uh, we felt your prayers. And so we appreciate that. I want to begin a brand new conversation with you this weekend, okay? And this conversation, we're gonna have for the next five weeks. And I've been looking forward to this conversation. It's a very intentional conversation. It's very purposeful. It's a very timely conversation. I think it's a very important conversation. I think it's essential. And the reason I think it's essential is I think our country's in crisis. Like, I think there's a shortfall in our country. There's a shortage and we need to address it. Like, Dan, help me understand that. Well, I think there's something that we're missing. There's a shortage, and if we're not careful, there's a shortage of something that eventually will become extinct if we're not careful. I think there's a shortage of something that nowadays it seems like everybody demands, but fewer and fewer people seem to give. I think signs of this shortage show up everywhere, honestly. I, I think we see signs of what our country is needing and missing. It shows up every time someone disparages a person who has a different opinion. I think it shows up every time somebody discounts someone just because they belong to a different political party. I think this shortage shows up every time someone makes a derogatory comment about somebody from a different culture. I think it shows up every time a student lashes out at a teacher or a player, kind of lashes out as his coach. I think it shows up every time an employee won't do his job and won't do it with excellence. I think it shows up every time an employer won't treat his employees fair and equitable. I think this shortage shows up when a man looks at pornography. I think it shows up when a woman makes the ever-popular man joke. I think this shortage shows up when a young person discounts an older person and when an older person minimizes a younger person. I think it shows up every time somebody makes a racial slur. I think this shortage shows up every time somebody loots a business. I think this shortage shows up every time somebody sarcastically minimizes someone else's experience or their story. 
You're saying, Dan, what are you talking about? What are we going to be talking about? What's missing? I think what's missing is respect. And so that's what we're going to talk about for the next five weeks. Let's talk. And let's talk about what? Let's talk respect. And as we talk about it here, I want to talk about respect through the lens of God's word. And when you look at God's word, there's some things it has to say about respect. Let's start here. We got to answer this question. What is respect? And when you look at the Bible, particularly the New Testament, there's two basic Greek words where we kind of draw our understanding of what respect is. The first is a word, you can forget this, it was time, but you can forget that. It means simply this, and you can write this in your notes. It's acknowledging the value and worth of something. So I'm going to treat it different, right? Because I acknowledge, oh, there's value. Uh, as we were kind of cleaning out my mother's house, my brother uh, was cleaning out my dad's study, and my dad, I didn't know this, kind of was a little bit of a collector and a hoarder and stuff like that. My dad brought, or my brother brought me this envelope from my dad's drawer, and it was full of this random change. And, and I remember being like, why are you giving me this envelope of change, man? I don't want to carry this around in my pocket. And he said, you need to look inside. And I saw inside and there's pennies and nickels. And I'm like, was there any quarters or anything like that, you know? And he says, no, you need to look at it. And he said, pull that nickel out. And the nickel that I pulled out was an Indian head nickel, 1900. And I'm like, wow. All of a sudden, I realized that what I thought was just a bunch of change and what I minimized it, I realized by the image on it, there was value and worth. See, that's what it means to respect. It recognizes that on every person is the image of God, right? To acknowledge value and worth. But, but there's a second Greek word, and that's phobio. And uh, you can forget that, but here's what it means. It means that respect is not just acknowledging value and worth, but attributing honor and attention, uh, that's recognizing maybe a position, maybe somebody has authority. It is literally attributing and recognizing someone's role. You walk in the room and you're like, who's in charge, right? Who's the teacher? Where's the coach? And then you attribute the honor that goes with that position. Uh, we just did a study, First Peter, and there's a passage in First Peter, and both of these uh, aspects of respect are seen in that passage. Look what it says. I'll read it here. It's on the screen. First Peter 2, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether emperor, supreme authority, or governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, this was key, that you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect, time, value for everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear or reverence, respect, phobia, God. Honor the emperor. Here's what Peter is saying. Peter is saying, when it comes to respect, please hear me. When it comes to respect, followers of Jesus and the church that bears his name lead the way. That's what he's saying. He's saying, we lead the way. We blaze the trail. And, and, and he's writing to people in case you're like, well, man, I bet that was easy for them. He's writing to people in a time when disappointment is high. He's writing to people in a culture that did not respect them. And he's saying, I want you to lead the way. Why? Begs the question, why respect? And this is the key to the rest of the series, and I want you to write this down. The why is this. Respect for a follower of Jesus is an expression of my worship to God. 
and my submission to Jesus' leadership. Respect is the natural response of me following Jesus and responding to his greatness in my life. Here's how I want you to remember. Worship is just this, okay? Worship is my response to all that God is, says, and does. And so my worship reflects the God that I worship. And the Bible says that we worship a God who created everyone in his image. Psalm 8, crown them with glory. He loves them. So my worship reflects the God that I worship. So respect is an expression of my worship to God. But it also, it also shows that I attribute honor, devotion, submission to Jesus' leadership in my life. Here's the deal. I don't know if you know this, but I want to make sure you know it. When you say yes to Jesus, you raise your hand, yes to Jesus. I want him to save me. Here's what you're saying. I want Jesus to save me, and I'm saying yes to him the rest of my life. I'm saying yes to his leadership in my life. Well, who am I saying yes to? I'm saying yes to Jesus, the one who died for everyone, right? The one who invites everyone to follow him, right? I'm saying yes to Jesus, the one who was a friend of sinners, outcasts, marginalized, right? And so here's what respect is. Respect isn't just mama said respect, not for the follower of Christ. It's way more profound than that. It's an expression of worship. And it also is part of my submission to Jesus' leadership in my life. We need to have this conversation as a country for sure, but we need to have it as a church. We need to have it as a church because as a follower of Jesus, respect, respect reflects the God that I worship and it shows the Jesus that I follow. It shows my devotion to him, my submission to him. So here's what I want to talk about next several weeks. Next week, I'm going to talk about generational respect. I want to talk to you about workplace respect. I want to talk about respect between the genders, Me Too movement, all that, right? I want to talk to you about racial respect between races, right? So we're going to talk about that next four weeks, but here's where I want to begin today. Simply today, I want to talk about respect at home, and here's why I want to start here. When you read the story of God, this is where he starts. The very first community that he organizes is the family, you read a story, right? Beginning, there's Adam, then there's Eve, then all of a sudden Cain and Abel, and like there's this family, right? He starts there. And I want to start here because I believe this is where respect is taught, caught, and cultivated. Honestly, if you are, are listening and you're a follower of Jesus, here's what that means. Respect is the fruit of you following Jesus and worshiping God as your king. And it shows up in your home. Now, if you have a Bible, you might want to stop and find this. Go to Ephesians, and we're going to look at 5 and 6. We're going to be all over the place today, but let's camp there. Ephesians 5 and 6. I want to show you some things, and here's what I'm going to do, okay? And then we're going to fly. But, but under the umbrella of respect as an expression of worship, and that it shows my submission to Jesus' leadership in my life, all I want to do is be really practical. How does that show up in my home? It's all we're going to do right? It's like we're sitting in my office and I'm just saying, here's how that teases out. Ephesians 5, let's go there. You got it? Ephesians 5, here we are. Verse 21. That's what it says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the big heading. Then he says, here's how that teases out in a family. Wives, we've talked about this. 
Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the... See how he connects it as you submit to the Lord? Expression of worship, leadership of Jesus, right? For as the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Verse 25, so husbands, here's what that means. Love your wives. Awesome. How? Just as Christ loved the church. How did he do that? Well, he gave up his life for her. However... He says at the end of this section, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And then he says this, look at this. And the wife must what? Say the word out loud. Go ahead. Respect her husband. 1 Peter 3, you don't need to turn there. We'll throw it on the screen. But this is what, we just studied this, by the way. Husbands, in the same way, he says, be considerate as you live with your wives. We talked about that. And treat them with what? Say the word out loud. Respect. Respect. As the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Write this down. Here's what I think he's saying. Respect is modeled in marriage. Here's the point. As a husband and wife who worships God with their marriage and submits to the leadership of Jesus in your marriage, here's what happens. The fruit of that is mutual submission and respect. The husband respecting his wife as he fulfills his role of being head and leading as Christ leads, loving as Christ loves. And the wife respecting her husband. How does that show up? Well, get your notepad ready because I'm just going to give you some just practical things. Husbands, here's what that means. Husbands demonstrate respect. Here's the first thing. Listen close. Lean in. Married or not married, you want to be married someday, you need to hear what I'm going to say. They demonstrate they respect their wife, you ready? When they leverage their leadership to serve their wife. He says, you're the head, you're the, you're, I want you to lead as Christ. That's the gospel. That what Jesus did was leveraged himself for our benefit. That's what happens. When you leverage your leadership to care and protect and, and, and serve your wife, you respect your wife. Listen, I'm, I'm going to just talk to you. Husbands who use their position, power, or even their physical strength to control, to intimidate their wife, they disrespect not only their wife, but the God who gave them the role of leading and loving as Christ did the church. I want you to remember that. If you use the Bible somehow to intimidate your wife, you're disrespecting your wife. You see, I think you respect her when you use your position, your God-given position to serve her. I think you respect her when you treat your wife as equally important. You see what Peter said? He said they're co-heirs. Husbands who respect their wife, you know what they'll do? They'll ask their opinion. They'll wonder what they're thinking. They'll recognize their wife's gift. I think a husband who respects his wife will recognize his wife's probably stronger at some things than he is. Smarter at some things than he is, right? Respect her wife. I, I wrote this down. Uh, a husband demonstrates respect for his wife when he appreciates their differences. Do you see what Peter says? He says, respect them as the weaker partner. He's not saying they're not equal. He's just saying they're different. Here's the point. I can beat my wife in arm wrestling. Ask her. 
But just because I can beat her in arm wrestling doesn't make that I mean that I should make every decision. Right? There's some things that my wife, quite honestly, is way more gifted at. Was created to do. You see, one of the ways I respect my wife is I, I appreciate and acknowledge that God made her different, right? And she's not going to be one of the guys, right? I'm glad she's not one of the guys, right? I think husbands demonstrate respect when they value their wife enough to listen to them but don't always have to fix, fix it. I know some of your wives are saying amen, right? Just listen. Like, I value, I respect, I, I'm, I just want to hear what you have to say. I want you to write this down, husbands. I think husbands demonstrate respect for their wives when they compliment and honor them, listen close, in private and in public. A, now, now, husbands, this scares me. A husband who will only compliment his wife in public is probably self-serving and trying to create an image. If all you do is compliment her in public but never in private, she sees right through that. Yeah, that's not respectful. You see, I think we show respect for our wives when no one else is listening. And we just look at them and say, sweetheart, you're beautiful. I appreciate you. I'm amazed at how you can do that. You see, both in public and private. I think husbands respect their wives. Let me just raise through this when they keep their promise and the marriage is a promise. I promise I'm going to show up good, bad, rich, poor, healthy, sick. I'm going to be there. I think they, they show respect, listen close, write this down, when they recognize they're wrong and ask for forgiveness. I think husbands show respect for their wives when they empower their wives in front of their children. Some of your wives are looking for you to stand up with them as you try to lead your children. What, what about wives? Uh, let me just raise through. I think wives demonstrate respect. It's modeled in marriage when they use their position, their God-given position as helper and partner to help their husband be all that God desires them to be. Here's what I mean by that. I think wives demonstrate respect when they believe in their husbands to be exactly what God is calling them to be instead of berating them and nagging them and always, always being critical of them. I think that wives respect their husbands when they admire his achievements and efforts and when they encourage him to lead, when they help him in his endeavors. Ready, wives, write this down. I think wives respect their husbands when they build him up in private, but they'll also do it in public. I think wives disrespect their husbands when all of a sudden they feel free to run him down to their friends or even their family. You see, it's modeling in marriage. It's respect. I think wives respect their husbands when they appreciate his differences. God made him as a man. Don't expect him to be one of your girlfriends, right? He's different. I think they respect their husband when they support him in front of their children. I want to talk to you a minute. We'll get back to this. I think one of the ways that you can disrespect your husband is when he leaves the room after disciplining, correcting, or coaching your children, somehow trying to soften the blow and say, hey, well, let me tell you. See what I'm saying? I think wives demonstrate respect when they look for ways to serve his needs. Here's the deal. In our home, respect, listen, 
Respect. Some of you, we stop right here, right? Respect is modeled in marriage. But let's keep reading. You got your Bibles open? Open them back up. Ephesians 6. 5 goes right into 6. They didn't have chapter breaks. He's talking about family. And he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Let me just give a, a pregnant pause here. All the parents in the room said, right? Amen, right? Yeah. And he says this, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. There's our key word, honor. It's the word we use for respect, time, right? I want you to value, attribute, acknowledge, value, respect. That's what I want you to do. So he's saying, here's what he's saying. Respect is caught and taught by parents. So respect is something that's taught by parents and it's something that's caught. When it comes to this idea of respect, I think first and foremost, it's modeled in marriage and then it's caught and taught by parents. Honestly, let me just talk to parents, right? Let me just talk to parents for a second. You are the coaches of your children. I do not think you can delegate this responsibility. Power kids cannot do it for you. The school isn't going to do it for you. The coach isn't going to take that spot. This is a parent's responsibility to teach their children. How does that happen? Well, look at what he says, verse 4. He says, fathers, this is interesting, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I think there's three components when it comes to respect and how it's taught and caught. And I want you to write them down. First is this. I think it takes intentional instruction. He says, parents, don't exasperate your kids by neglecting to teach them. Show them the way. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, this applies to mom and dads for sure. Don't, don't miss that. But I think it's interesting, dads, that he calls us out. Like, I think that's interesting. I think in their culture, it would have been interesting and probably appropriate. And I think it's extremely appropriate in our culture. Because I want you to know something. All the dads lean in. One way for you to lose respect with your children is to be absent in this area. That's what my wife does. Baloney. You'll lose respect. You'll forfeit respect. It's your job as a parent and specifically to dads. And I can, I can do this because I'm a dad. It's our job as fathers to teach our children you know this is going to take time and availability. Write that down somewhere. I'm just talking now. It's going to take time and availability. It's going to take time and margin. Here's why I say that. Because it's going to be intentional. But here's what I mean. That, that, that if you're going to instruct your kids, it's going to be scheduled and spontaneous. It's going to be formal and informal. Right? And so you gotta, you got to make the time for it. you got to schedule it. But you also got to be around so when those moments pop up, you're ready. Teach them what? Well, just, just get your pen and paper ready, parents. Listen, I wrote some things down. Teach them what? I think first and foremost, intentional instruction, teach them what it means to worship God. Guys, can I beg you, quit delegating this to your wife. That's what she does. Do it together. You lead the way, right? Teach them what it means to worship God. You're saying, Dan, what do you mean by that? you got to teach them about a God who's big enough to trust and yet loves them enough that he would 
die to have a relationship with him. Here, here's why. I will tell you this. If all you teach them about the Bible is the rules of the Bible, they will rebel. Rules without relationship will lead to rebellion. You have to teach them that it revolves around worship, which is a relationship with a God who is really, really big, who loves you more than you can imagine. And that's your job. And that's your opportunity. And that's your responsibility. And that's where respect flows from. It's your opportunity to teach them who Jesus is, what Jesus did, what it means to follow Jesus. Men, it's your opportunity and responsibility to teach your boys what it means to be a man. If you don't, his peers will. Culture will. Teach him what God says it means to be a man. Teach your gals what it means to be a woman. Teach your boys how to treat a woman. Teach your gals what to expect from a guy. How to be treated by a guy. Teach your children, listen close to this, how to receive instruction and take responsibility. I feel like I'm just talking to parents a minute here, but, but, but it's our job to do that right? You got to teach them how to take instruction and embrace responsibility. I'm going to tell you, I'm, this is for free and this is an opinion, but if your kids don't have chores and responsibility around the house, where are they going to learn? To take accountability for responsibility. That's our job. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. When are they going to learn that? Right? Teach them not only that, but teach them how to communicate with adults. Don't be okay with, oh, kids are just being kids. I, I, kids will be kids. That's why parents need to be parents. Teach them how to ask questions. Teach them how to respond in settings. Teach them. That's our job. Teach them how to value life and see all life as worthwhile, born and unborn. Teach them the importance of standing up for justice and what it means to help the marginalized. That's our responsibility. Now, here's the deal. We're going to take intentional instruction. Parenting's hard work, by the way. So we signed up for, right? It's hard work, but it's going to take time and availability. But not only is it taking intentional instruction, I think it takes everyday example. You and I both know that kids are influenced more by what they see than simply what they hear. James knew that. He says, don't merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves. He says, do what it says. Fact of the matter is, sometimes what you say matters little in comparison to what you do. And one of the quickest ways to lose respect with your children is to say one thing and then do another. You ever heard this saying, uh, do what I say, not what I do? You ever heard that? Write this down somewhere. There's an equation. Do what I say, not what I do, equals hypocrisy. That's what Jesus would say. And can I tell you something? Kids are smart. They see right through it, right? And one of the quickest ways we lose respect is to say to our kids, do this, and yet they see something totally different in our life. Respect is something that's caught. As our kids listen to our conversations, they watch our actions, they observe our relationships, 
here's the deal. When it comes to respect, we teach our kids, but what we teach them verbally sometimes pales in comparison to what we show them with our life. You're saying, Dan, what do you mean? Well, here's the deal. We can tell our kids to respect their mom or dad. You can tell them, respect your mother. But if you don't, they won't. If she's your old lady, they're not going to respect her. If you always talk about her being the ball and chain, they're going to respect her. If you as his wife say, respect your father, and yet you're always criticizing him, nagging him, they won't either. See, see they're watching. You can tell them to respect. They're watching. They listen to how you talk about people who disagree with you. You can tell them, man, you got to treat people with respect. But here's what they're going to watch. They're going to watch how you talk about and treat people who disagree with you politically, theologically, uh-oh, and even morally. They're going to observe what you say when others leave your presence. You can say, don't talk about people behind their back, but they're going to watch what you say when people leave. They're going to watch and see if you pay attention to people no one else does. They're going to watch and see if the people, the only people you gravitate to are the ones who can do something for you. They're going to watch. You can say everybody matters, but they're going to watch, right? Our kids are listening to how we respond to people in authority. You can tell them to respect authority. Are you ready? Listen. They're listening about how you talk about your boss the governor, the president, whether it's President Trump now or it was President Obama before. Let's get real. You ready? They're listening. You ready? Lean in to how you might talk about the school superintendent. It's just real stuff. You can tell them respect authority, but they're listening. They're watching. Our kids pay attention to our attitude towards the opposite gender. Dad, they can tell whether you objectify women or not. You can tell them to respect women, but what's on your garage wall or showing up on your phone or the computer screen or the jokes you feel free to, like that's, they're going to lean into that. Mom, you can tell them to they need respect men, but they know and they listen when the snarky comments and the, the man jokes come. They, they get it. Billy Graham said this, children will invariably talk, eat, walk, think, respond, and act like their parents. Give them a target to shoot at. Give them a goal to work toward. Give them a pattern that they can see clearly, and you give them something that gold and silver cannot buy. With the words we say and the time we spend, the things we do, we invest in our children, is what he says. Intentional instruction, everyday example, there's one more thing. Let me show you a passage real quick, and I just want to race through this. Hebrews 12. He says, My son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God's treating you as children. For what children are disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, 
We've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. There's our word. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a while as they thought best. God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness, peace for those who have been trained by it. Here's the third thing, intentional instruction, everyday example. Write this down, compassionate correction. The writer of Hebrews is simply making an observation about compassionate, constructive correction in the life of a child. And I would say it this way, a parent who loves and respects their child will discipline their child. You ought to write that down somewhere. A child who loves and respects their child will discipline their child. You see what he says about discipline in this passage? He says, take discipline seriously. Don't make light of it. Oh, kids will be kids. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, they will be. That's why parents need to be parents. And he's saying this, discipline is my responsibility as a parent. Uh, Zig Ziglar has this little statement. I, I love it. I wrote it down here. He says, a child who's not been disciplined with love by his little world will be disciplined without love by his great big world. Discipline acknowledges that my kid's a sinner. If you haven't acknowledged that yet, let, let me break the news to you. Your kid is a sinner. Right? I know your kid's incredible, and oh, I got it. Like I understand how that works. But your kid's a sinner. My kid's a sinner. Our kids are sinners. And discipline is an expression of love. It's not an explosion of anger, but it is a proactive response to somebody you love. I should say this to my kids. My need to be liked by you right, is not nearly as great as my love for you. My love for you right now is I got to stand in the way. Discipline selfless. Discipline is temporarily painful. That's what he says. Failure to inflict pain now sets my child up for pain later. Discipline trains their heart. I'm not just worried about their image. I want their heart to be bent towards God. But this is what he says. Discipline. This is what I want you to get cultivates respect. I love how James Dobson says this. There's a quote. We'll throw it on the screen, and you can freeze frame this if you want and write it down. As a parent, your job early on is to break their will without crushing their spirit. I know it sounds hard, but it's true. I had three strong-willed kids. You got to break their will without crushing their spirit. You'll be tempted time and time again to weaken and give in and to go back on your word. But let me encourage you parents, don't do that. These kids need to know that they are secure behavioral boundaries established by parents who love them. If you don't discipline them, they will not respect any authority, whether it's yours, a teacher's, a police officer's, God's. You can keep going on and on. I love that quote. Modeled in the marriage, taught and caught by parents. One last thing. Look what it says, Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. I want you to write it down this way. Respect is expected from children. What Paul is doing here in Ephesians 6 is he's quoting from one of the big ten in Exodus, right? Ten Commandments, right? And, and in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, here's what the general principle says. It says, honor your father and your mother. Attribute worth and value to them. Recognize their God-given role as your parents. It literally means to value them, 
to recognize that God gave them that role. Here's what he's saying. Honor really has nothing to do with my feelings. It has everything to do with my will. That's interesting. It's a decision to treat your parents with dignity, courtesy, and long-term loyalty. You can honor somebody without agreeing with them, even liking them a ton. You can. And what he's saying here is this, that I want you to honor your father and mother. And then he gives a specific. This is so key. He says, for little kids who are living in your parents' home, let's go 18 and under, the word he uses in Ephesians 6 is techna. Forget that, just little kids under the authority of their parents. He's saying the way you honor your parents is you obey them. You obey them. You trust that they know what you don't know, they see what you can't see, and you obey them. Even if you're like, I don't like that, I don't want to. Now, now, now I always got to stop and say this. If you're in an abusive situation, right, I, I get there's caveats here. And if, if, if you are a child and you happen to be listening to this and you're being abused, you need to tell an adult who can help you. But what Paul is saying is parents who want to model this in their marriage, instruct it, want to live it as an everyday example, saying, kids, obey them. That's how you honor your mom and dad. But then he simply says this, it doesn't just stop when we stop living in their homes. He says, adult kids, for those that might be listening to this, they're adult kids. He's saying, adult children, you honor your parents by, listen close, by being loyal to them, kind to them, and caring for what they need. Right now in 1 Timothy 5, he's saying an adult kid cares about the needs of his parents, clear even when they become a widow. That's what he's saying. He's saying, make sure you help them, care for their needs, Call them, honor them. He's saying you don't have to obey them, but honor them by listening to them, hearing them, helping them. You see, here's the deal. Respect is an expression of my worship to God and my submission to Jesus' leadership in my life. And respect is modeled in marriage. Respect is taught and caught by parents and expected from children. So Father, we begin this conversation. There's a shortage of this in our country and we can bemoan what's happening in our culture. But God, in many ways, the church needs to lead the way. And within the church, those of us who in homes would say that we worship Jesus and follow Jesus I pray, God, that you would help our marriages to be a model of mutual respect and submission, that you would help us to embrace the responsibility of instructing, living an example, and even compassionately correcting our kids so that respect is taught and caught. And I pray for young kids that might hear this, that you would help them to trust you as they obey their parents. And for those of us who are adult kids, God, I pray that you would help us to honor our parents by caring for them, by paying attention to them, by helping them. God, I pray that our respect to our world, as Peter said, would be an expression of worship that reflects the God that we serve. 
and that would be an act of submission to the Jesus that we follow. And that somehow it would beg a question in a world that is desperately, desperately looking for hope. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.